Happy Monday, and recorded during the plague year of 2020, this is the Andromeda Minute. Each week we get together to talk about the all-too-timely 1971 Robert Wise-directed feature, The Andromeda Strain, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And this is Jordan Rich of WBZ Radio in Boston, also the podcast On Mike with Jordan Rich. Jordan, always great having you on the show. Uh, you are one of my favorite guests. I have many, but you are just, you know, in, uh, you are in the top of the, of the class there. Well, it's a mutual admiration society, Jim. Thank you. I'm a big fan of yours as well. Uh, I, I love this movie, and I know you do, and we are, we are both of an age where we remember this in, in theaters and endlessly on, uh, on television and things. So I think we have a, lot, a good background. What, where is your, what are your memories of, of seeing this movie? Well, I don't know. I never asked your age, Jim, and I'm not going to embarrass you now, but I was about 11 years old when this came out, 11 or 12, so that tells you how old I am. I was so impressed uh, for several reasons. Number one, I actually read the book when I was a kid. I loved Crichton. Number two, um, I love the casting of the film. It doesn't star mega you know, movie stars, but it stars really fine actors who are so believable in their roles, as you know, the way they look and the way they act and sound and of course the premise uh the the question of an alien force coming to earth with with uh, a disease and and it harkens back to uh, war of the worlds it harkens back to so many other science fiction uh pieces so all those reasons and more that i'm sure we'll discuss yeah i think it's it's one of those movies i, I haven't come up with a term for it yet but it's one of those things that if you see it on television, then you know that, you know, like the next hour or two, whenever you jump in on the movie is, okay, I'm going to watch the end of this movie. So I'm just going to sit down and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, it has that kind of uh, appeal. First of all, the storyline is is great. I mean, you see devastation and yet survivors and the old man and the baby, and you're wondering what the heck is going on. But I love the, and I know we'll talk about the minute today that we're going to focus on is, is almost a political uh, expose of what was going on at the time and today. But, you know, you, you take a look at science and how science approaches a problem. And I think Crichton, being the scientist, was so able in his writing and in his ability to bring a story across that was believable, that had human humanity and emotion and quite a bit of real science. I agree. Yeah, it, it, it one of, this is one of the uh, I mean, there are many science fiction stories, but as, as a child, and we are of a similar age. As a child, when I was seeing this, I, I too read the book first and was hooked on how real it all felt. It all seemed like the same things we were reading in Life magazine about the lunar receiving lab and and all this, uh, you know, the science that's going on that has uh, overtones of the government paying, you know, paying to do things. And in here, it's not as it's not as well covered in the movie, but in the book, they go into the idea that. Uh, the scoop mission that uh, that brought this uh, disease back was actually the you know the defense department looking for newer better biological weapons um, and the idea you know and here we're seeing uh, uh, the, the the senators getting together and, and having a having a very uh, top secret briefing on why why it all happened um, much like uh, George Orwell's 1984 which uh, you don't really get the you don't really get the impression until you read the afterward in George Orwell's book that uh, the story is being told from after um, Ingsoc and all that was over. This this uh, Senate hearing is happening after wildfire had already you know after the story had already been told. Right. So uh, 
you know, it, it obviously we, we don't realize it at the time, but this is kind of a happy ending. It's like all these guys are alive, and so apparently, yeah, no, it, you're right, it, and it's a very close and thrilling uh, conclusion that almost ends in disaster. But um, no, I, I think the approach that that Arthur Hill, uh, the the character he plays, uh, Doctor Stone, um, his character is so, oh my God, it's it's so uh, apropos to today. You know, the scientist who's level-headed who uh, fights for dollars, fights for a cause, but is also uh, has a bit of ego and a bit of pride. I mean, all of these things are part of the human experience that we're seeing play out in the pandemic of 2020 uh, in a lot of cases. It, it's Again, I, I, Crichton is, a, in my opinion, one of the great geniuses of the 20th century. And I will also add, uh, Jim, and I, I want to get your take on this. You mentioned the director, Robert Wise. I mean, he directed probably, in my opinion, the greatest 50s sci-fi film, The Day the Earth Stood Still. And, uh, you know, he he had a, a, a great eye, camera eye, but he also, I think, had a, a great sense of message. And I think there's a terrific message in this film as there was in the 50s with uh, Day the Earth Stood Still. I, I agree. This this story, although it's you know it's science fiction based and there's a lot of special effects and things that, that heighten the tension in the story, Ultimately, it winds up about people. I mean, the story in The Day the Earth Stood Still is what does it take to get people's attention to stop doing something that's hurting them? And I think that's a similar theme in this, is that, uh, you know, approaching, approaching a problem all wrong, it's like, well, we're going to, what if we bring a deadly virus in? Well, let's destroy a town. <laughs> and it's like, that's the worst right. thing you can do for right. the, you know, that's the worst cure. And, uh, you know, this, this idea that you have to explain, you have to explain to people who aren't scientists what the issues are. Yes. And, uh, yes. and also decide whether, you know, money's being well spent or is it just, uh, it, is the money being spent making things worse? So, uh, you know, all these, it, it's, it's just fascinating to see this movie again 50 years later and saying, Gosh, nothing. Nothing's really changed. This is no, how it, and and, and, and just the. I know that there are. We, you, and I have done several, several broadcasts over the many years we've been friends about television and film, and and the fact that there are so many cliches, and one of them is the senator and the general. I mean, the actors yeah. portraying them and all that. They they're stock characters, but um, but there is that uh, uh, divide and that push and pull between bureaucracy and between dreamers. I'm, I'm going to call the scientists the dreamers, you know, the guys who say, well, if we spend, who cares what we spend, whatever it costs, you know, shut the economy down forever if we're going to save lives. I mean, there's, there's that push-pull that we see back, like you say, 50 years ago. That's very reminiscent of, of what we're happening, what we're having today. The other thing too, Jim, that I, I, I kind of think of every time I see the film, it was Around that time that the moon rocks were on display at the Museum of Science in Boston, if you recall. Yes. And I yes. remember, I remember, you know, it was a couple of years after the Apollo 11 mission, but people were concerned, rightfully so, what are we bringing back? And I know there were all kinds of protections against, uh, there were decontamination protections, but still it was a kind of an odd thing. This is from outer space. We don't know what it really does or is. And maybe that's just sci-fi talking, but well, yeah. But it was it was an honest concern. I remember there was a there was a big issue about when Apollo 11 first came back and what would happen. The the plan was to to make sure that no space bugs were coming home with them. Was that the the crew would put on 
quarantine suits and then go into an Airstream trailer for three weeks and they'd watch for any kind of illnesses. But the there was a big issue as, okay, if you're going to put them in a quarantine suit, when are they going to put them on? Well, when they land. And so the first thing that you have to do to give them the quarantine suit is open the hatch. Yes. <laughs> if you're opening the hatch, what are you letting <laughs> loose? So it's uh, – yeah. yeah, and I can, re- I can recall listening to uh, – uh, Walter Cronkite asking Wally Shira about this during the Apollo 11 mission, and Wally Shira said, "Well, you do the best you can." So it's yeah, and it is really intriguing to think about these things that we we've come to a position in science that we think that science can solve anything, and uh, you know, as we're recording this, people are asking questions like, "Well, when can we expect?" Uh, a, a vaccine for uh, for the virus, and it's like, well, you can't really put a timetable on saying, well, here's where uh, the breakthrough comes, and and this is when you know this is when it rolls out. It doesn't work that way, but we've come to expect that of technology and of, um, I mean, and of government as well. I guess that you know they're gonna they know what they're doing, and they're going to uh, come up with a plan, and 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 it'll be you know work like clockwork. But that's not how the world works. No, and and the movie and the book both illustrate that so well uh we we get to the point where even one of the scientists and i don't want to jump ahead and spoil it for anybody although i think anybody who's listening to your podcast and that that's many they know what's going to be <laughs> happening in the film but but seriously uh you have the unintended consequences of having one of the members of the team the female doctor uh quiet about her condition which is epilepsy and that affects the team you have a uh, human frailty uh and and ego and all the other things um that get in the in the way and that's good they should get in the way it's who we are but it's it's fascinating you're right to to think that science knows all but i will say this what what it does remind us is that without trying without investigating without going the extra mile we would never get to where we are anyway so i mean it's it's a constant i keep using the term push pull but it's a constant uh, adventure to, to venture forth and look for answers and maybe they won't be too clear maybe they won't show up right away but ultimately uh, that's the the goal and purpose of man and humankind to do more to do better and I think that I think is a I think you're right I think it was a hopeful message knowing that they survived and that they saved the planet <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and in this particular minute we there's there's a lot of throwbacks and I, I do love the fact that it kind of overlaps with history that we already know. And uh, one of the throwbacks we're seeing here, uh, or flashback rather, the flashback that we're seeing from March of uh, 1969, uh, we see uh, Dr. Stone, Arthur Hill's character, and uh, Dr. Dutton, who's played uh, by David Wayne. Uh, you know, great actors. Both, oh, and, terrific. And just and a host of other character actors stand, sitting around, you know, smoking pipes and wearing corduroy jackets at uh, Berkeley and pondering, much like the Manhattan Project that... Uh, uh, the the Einstein letter that was written that they needed to come up with a way of uh, of turning uh, atomic energy into a, a weapon, uh, and these fellows are coming around with a similar Manhattan project. Uh, I mean, a, a wildfire project that would uh, take care of anything coming in from from space, and uh, trying trying to figure out how to word it so that the president and the Congress would agree to spending all this, uh, all this money on building, uh, what they said, a 90, a $90 million facility. Uh, In today's dollars, Jim, what, uh, 90 billion? <laughs> probably. Yeah. Closer. Yeah. Closer to, closer to that. So, um, and it's, it's like, 
and, and of course, the senator, uh, uh, the senator from Vermont, is not, not too pleased about se- spending that kind of money on something that uh, I think he's he's looking at them as a bunch of eggheads bringing right. bringing trouble. And sure enough, I mean, it 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 reminds me of the argument about if uh, if Earth didn't have Superman, they wouldn't have a Lex Luthor. So it's like, a, are they bringing trouble by building this thing? And you know, in a way, it's an interesting way of of looking at it that. Um, they they really may have been the, uh, the if maybe if they didn't have this project wildfire they wouldn't have had a scoop mission to bring all this stuff back from space. Um, yeah, that's 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 an excellent uh, observation. Uh, and again, science has taken leaps and and bounds, and oftentimes it's resulted in well the the tragic loss of the scientists themselves. I mean that's the center point of exploration. You know, there's risk involved. Kennedy said it best. You know. We don't go to the moon because it's easy. We go because it's hard. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but but uh, you know, g- getting back to the minute, uh, what I what uh, it's so much. Uh, it's fifty years. It's hard to believe, but it's so much um, an example of where we were at that point in time. You know, we had Vietnam. We had the space race champion. You know, victory. We had we had losses and victories at the same time. And people then, as people are now doing today. We're contemplating their place, their role, and I, I don't blame the senators. I don't blame the military. I mean, they had their their assigned duties, and they were protecting their what they thought was right. So it's it's easy to cast aspersions you know, on certain groups and to look at others as the heroes. But I think we're all sort of mixed in together in this particular film. Yeah, I agree, and you know, we also have a a history of scientists who don't exactly have the cleanest hands. I mean, Oppenheimer worried constantly about what he had, what he had built, you know, the, the, uh, quoting for a become death, the destroyer and that kind of thing. He saw what his work did. Uh, Von Braun, who, you know, he, he got us to the moon, but he did it on the backs of, uh, slave labor during, you know, the, the Nazi Germany period. And, uh, you know all these you know, Edward Edwin Teller and things like that. All all of these different people, they were they were conflicted and they always didn't do it with the clear you know the the, the most noble of intentions. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I think that's what we're getting. I, I think that's what we're getting whispers of here with uh, Doctor Stone. I, Stone, uh, as we'll talk you know as we'll talk in later minutes. Stone kind of knows what's going on with the military, what what the military wants, but I think he's turning a blind eye to it and uh, and trying to say, well, this is a you know this is a good thing to do. This will help people, but he's really he's aiding and assisting another another force in the government that's probably right. doing one of the worst things you could do with well, uh, with biological. And control. that's a credit to uh, both the director, but also to the actor. Arthur Hill was one of my one of my favorites. He he would show up in films and often have supporting roles. I love the fact that he was pretty much the uh, the lead in this uh, for much of the film. And, and he's, a, he's a character that is flawed, no question. But uh, ultimately, you know, I think you want a guy like him at the helm for a lot of reasons. Uh, but, I, but I think his nuanced performance, David Wayne, you mentioned, I have to just put in a plug. I mean, there's, there's one of our, our untold acting heroes over the decades. He, yeah. in the, from the Twilight Zone on TV, to a numerous romantic comedies. I mean, he could do it all, and uh, very, very underestimated, uh, underrated actor. 
And what you said earlier about how these were not well-known actors, but they were familiar faces, I think that's what really helps the uh, accept, you know, the, this willing suspension of disbelief belief that you, you don't have to know, you know, if, 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 you, if Tom Cruise were playing the Arthur Hill role, you'd say, oh, there's Tom Cruise in a Tom Cruise movie. But they, they managed to uh, sublime themselves in, you know, you, you don't notice the character. You, I mean, you notice the character, not the actor. And, and, and that was their entire careers was being right. the person in the movie. And I think the best casting choice was, to, was the, uh, and you'll have to help me because I'm not in front of my notes, the doctor, the female doctor. Yeah, Kate Reed. Kate Reed. A very established, fine British actress, not well known to American screens, but she it personified that character. I mean, she looked apart. She didn't look like Raquel Welch in Fantastic Voyage. Yeah, <laughs> she was she was perfect for that role. And I think I think that's what makes the film all that much more impactful because it, you're right. It doesn't feature Robert Redford or, or Raquel Welch. It features people who look like the real thing. And I think that's what made that film stand out for me. Yeah, just a, just a stunner of a film. Well, we've got lots more to talk about on this. So uh, on our next episode, if you come back with us, Jordan, uh, we're, we'll get more into this flashback and see some of the issues that, that they're bringing up with this. And uh, it's it, are they opening a Pandora's box or, or what? what's happening? Well, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that some more on Wednesday. <laughs> um, for folks who uh, want to hear, Jordan, you are a... Uh, I, I can't, I can't think of anybody better. You're a Boston icon oh, uh, of, of broadcasting. <laughs> and uh, I, I've enjoyed many many a trip late at night uh, listening to your show on WBZ. And, uh, and now you're in the, uh, in the podcasting world, so I can listen to you when I'm, when I'm, on the, uh, you know, when I'm exercising or, any, or eating my cornflakes in the morning. That's right. So, uh, That's right. In uh, fact, talk... you, you've been one of my guests, uh, Jim, if I'm and not mistaken. A very, a very pleasurable experience. I can Indeed. recommend it to anybody, anybody who can be on your show. It's, it's a blessing. So try Thank you. Um, but, uh, Jordan, where can people find uh, your activities now? Well, sure. I'm still associated with WBZ. I'm, I'm sort of an emeritus broadcaster, and I record now all of my features, and I now have five of them that uh, run regularly on weekends. So that's WBZ1030.com if you want to check those out. And my uh, the best thing you can do is just go to my name, JordanRich.com, which links to everything, including the podcast, which is approaching our 150th episode so uh, all all's good feeling good everybody's healthy and uh we're just trying to uh save our little tiny piece of the planet with information and education and entertainment awesome wow well uh th uh thanks again for being on on the show this week this is i i, I was excited when you said yes i was so excited oh, about getting, Jim, getting together any, with you again any time for stuff like this i've done other minute uh, podcasts with you i love the concept and folks, do yourself a favor and rate and review this positively. I know you will, because those count a lot. I know Jim has done an amazing job with his team. Jim, I, I wish you the best, man, and I wish I could see you and hang, hang out and shake hands. So, Maybe someday, someday soon. Someday we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get together. Um, for folks who'd like to talk about uh, this particular minute or any of our previous minutes, uh, always available on the, uh, on the social, the Internet and things like that with uh, Facebook at uh, Project Wildfire on Facebook or on Andromeda Minute on Twitter. Uh, if you've missed any of our previous episodes, go out to any of the typical podcast podcatcher things like uh, Spotify or Google Play or uh, Apple Podcasts. We're out there. Or if you if you don't have that, go to the main site, Apollo Min uh, Apollo. That's the other show. Uh, <laughs> Andromeda. You can go to you can go to Apollo 13 Minute if you'd like. I'm out there too. But uh, AndromedaMinute.com. 
Uh, it's, it's out there in dramadaminute.com. You can pick up any of the previous 19 episodes. Uh, but join us back here on Wednesday when we continue to go into uh, the past of Project Wildfire uh, right here on the Andromeda Minute. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here.